welcome to Careful Consideration of Our Common Concerns. I'm Dr. Ted Noel. With the sudden appearance of the Omicron variant, which was originally reported in South Africa on the order of a week and a half ago, I thought it was appropriate to take a moment for us to look at Mueller's ratchet rather than the originally planned uh, look at immunity in the bloodstream. We'll get to that on another session. Now, the Omicron variant for the politically inclined actually should have been the key variant, spelled XI, which is how you spell Chinese Chairman Xi's name in English letters. So it was thought to be politically incorrect to use that Greek letter, and so they skipped it and went to Omicron. But that's okay. Our issue today is variants. When we look at the original uh, COVID-19 bug, it had a particular set of protein or of amino acids in its spike protein. By the time we get to the Delta variant, we have a total of two mutations on the spike protein. So that means that a vaccine which exposes you to the alpha spike protein and then you see the Delta bug, you will actually get a fair amount of cross immunity to it. But what's interesting is we've already got genetic sequencing on the Omicron variant, and it has a total of 50, count them, five zero mutations. All of these are different amino acids in different parts of the virus. Of interest, 30 of those 50 mutations are on the spike protein. Ten of them are on the receptor binding domain, which explains why Omicron is so much better at binding to the ACE2 receptor and infecting us. It is more infectious. We'll get back to that in a minute. But the fact that it has ten mutations on the S protein means that vaccines based on the original S protein are very much less likely to have any benefit against the Omicron variant, regardless of what Fauci and Biden and anybody else say. It just, the more mutations you have, the less it looks like the original. And in fact, when we look at it and say, well, it is more infectious, that means it has changed the way it looks in its cellular mechanics. And if the cellular mechanics are changed with binding to the uh, ACE receptor, then it's entirely likely that binding to antibodies related to the original spike protein will be very much less. A big change one direction, big change the other direction. So it is very much a big change. And it's understandable for a couple of reasons why people were saying, oh, this is a big variant of interest. And uh, Biden announced starting on the 29th of November, which happens to be as I'm recording this, no travel from Southern Africa. Well, we know how well that worked when Trump banned travel from China. We got the epidemic just as badly as anybody else did. The problem really has to do with something called being in the wild. 
If you have a virus which is in the wild, that means it's out and about. It's like all of those black flies in Aus- or in Alaska or the mosquitoes, the Alaskan Air Force. You can swat all the mosquitoes you want, but there's a million more of them coming. And so they are in the wild. There is nothing you can do to stop them from being around. You can try to reduce the effect they have on you. I mean, but when you get down to it, you can't stop them. And this is the real problem we had when Biden says, we're going to eradicate COVID and Fauci, yeah, yeah, we're going to do it. It reminds me of Mr. Miyagi in The Karate Kid catching flies on the wing with chopsticks. We're going to do that to every virus out there. Oh, yeah, I've got to be able to see him. I get him with my chopsticks. We pick that one. We pick that one. We pick that one. No, does not work. It's so much harder than Mr. Miyagi catching flies. It's impossible. It's everywhere. And we have a virus that is everywhere. With regard to the illness that's caused by the Omicron variant, it seems to be much milder than any of the earlier variants. So far, it's been seen in the United Kingdom, Israel, Canada, Australia, basically all over the world already. The patients who are seen with it tend to have fatigue, body ache, and headache. In other words, it acts a lot like the flu. Makes you feel crappy, and then you get over it. So far, they've only had a couple of patients who had to go to the hospital at all, and nobody who's had to darken the door of an ICU. At present, there's no evidence that it's even as bad as any of the other variants. It's just a little better at getting you sick, which brings us to something called Muller's Ratchet. Now, it's really important that you understand what Muller's Ratchet is talking about, because Muller's Ratchet really is a a most interesting phenomenon. What it says is that viruses and other pathogens, for that matter, will mutate in a manner so as to make them easier for you to catch. But they will become less deadly. Think about Ebola for the moment. Ebola was very deadly. It was tough to catch, but when you caught it, you were in deep doo-doo. And what happens? People don't want to get near you. Uh, Those people who do take care of you go through great decontamination routines. And ultimately, the number of people who are able to be infected is very small. This almost looks like the virus has a mind of its own. It's really not. It's just arithmetic, but follow me like this. If I were a virus, what would I want to do? I would want to be able to infect as many people as possible. So my chance of survival was as great as possible. The more hosts I can infect, the more chances there are of a host to pass me on to another host. That's called teleological thinking, and viruses don't have brains to think. But mathematically, it's the other end of the Ebola discussion. The common cold is common because you can catch it very easily. It's everywhere. And what does it do? Well, the flip line is, if you don't treat it, it lasts a week. If you do treat it, you can cut it down to seven days. It's a mild disease. Yeah, you get a headache, you might get a fever, you get a stuffy nose, drippy, and 
I, I feel so bad, you know, that sort of thing. But the fact is, it's a mild disease, and a common cold doesn't kill very many people. What it does is it infects people in a way that makes it so they can infect somebody else and keep passing it on and on and on and on and on. If the common cold was extremely deadly, as soon as someone got it, everybody else would go, stay away, he's got the plague, and let him die, and he can't pass it on. So people who are severely ill can't pass the bug on to very many people. People who have a mild illness can pass it on to a lot of people. Hence, Muller's ratchet. It says, viruses will mutate to become more infectious and less virulent. That means it's easier for them to infect you, but it's harder for them to kill you. That's Muller's ratchet. It's a universal finding, and it's almost certain that Omicron is behaving according to Muller's ratchet. Omicron has 50, count them, five, zero mutations. You say, wait a minute, how did we get so many mutations? And, oh, wait a minute, it was only discovered two weeks ago in South Africa, and yet it's in basically every country in Europe. It's in Canada. I think there are a couple of cases in the U.S. I know it's in Israel, it's in Australia. How did it show up all over the world all at once? And this is a new question, and it comes to the question of travel bans. If you recall, the moment we knew about this horrible disease coming out of Wuhan, President Trump slapped a travel ban on, and flip-flop Fauci said, oh, this is a terrible thing, it's xenophobic. Well, actually, it made a kind of sense at the moment when you don't have time to sit back and reflect in length. There may have been reason for it, but pretty quickly when you saw that there were a bunch of outbreaks all over the country, it was time to lift the ban, forget about it. It's not going to make any difference because it's already here in strength. You cannot stop it. It's like those Alaskan mosquitoes. They are everywhere. Because it's happening everywhere, it raises a real question. Did it come to Canada from someplace in Europe and that place in Europe got it from South Africa? Is that how it arrived in Canada? Did somebody from South Africa fly to Australia and get somebody sick there? Wait a minute. South Africa is only reporting a few hundred cases. What are the chances that those people have also gone to all of these other places? It's not very good. So once again, we have to go back and look at the mathematics involved in this. What is going on? We know that the virus mutates. And we know, for example, the Delta variant first was described in India. It only had a couple of mutations. Pretty quick, it was everywhere around the world, and there was an argument that it started in India and spread. But there were an awful lot of people who got the Delta variant without having contact with anybody who had it from India or one jump away. So we have to ask, if it mutated in India, can't it also mutate in the United States and in Australia and in wherever? Of course it can. Those two mutations, we call the Delta, but if it popped up everywhere, it's the same. Think about a bug called MRSA, M-R-S-A, methicillin-resistant staph aureus. It is what was called a superbug. It is a 
mutation on staph aureus. You have staph aureus on your skin. And normal staph aureus, you give penicillin, it kills it. Methicillin kills it. But MRSA is in the community, and we had it happen in Florida. It happened in California. It happened in Quebec. It happened in the UK. It happened in all of these places all at once because advanced medicine led to people being treated in particular ways where the bugs, the bugs that were susceptible to the antibiotics were killed off. And the only thing left then were mutated bugs that were not susceptible to the antibiotics. These were the superbugs that were left over. And could it be that there was some sequence here that led to those viruses mutating the same way in multiple places around the world? There's no reason to think it can't be the case. Let's say it happened in four places and they were all reasonably close. You get a little spread to the neighboring town, you get a little spread to the neighboring state, you know, from there and it spreads pretty wildly pretty soon. But there's no reason to believe it had to happen only in one place, even though there are 50 mutations on that. Yes, having the exact same 50 mutations may be a little unusual and statistically a little bit unlikely. But let's also look at all of the variants that we haven't bothered to give names to. There are literally dozens of variants of COVID that have not been named in any popular naming nomenclature. They are such and such letter dot number dot number dot not, you know, they have scientific nomenclature, but they didn't infect enough people to get a news name. And that means that it's entirely possible that those variants were around and then mutated to form the Omicron variant in more than one place around the world. Entirely possible. What does that say for travel bans? Travel bans are useless. You cannot stop a virus. You can stop someone with a gun in their pocket when you have the ability to see the gun using x-ray or metal detectors. You know, it's big enough that you can see it. You can't tell if they've got a subclinical infection of some sort. You can't tell if they're carrying just a few viruses, not enough to test positive. Run the list. Or suppose somebody's already here with the other, and they carry the certain specific kinds of immunity because they had natural immunity, and they get infected with a virus which then is killed off mostly by their own immunity, but a new variant pops up that survives and gets back and gets shed. I mean, who knows? There's a dozen different ways this could happen. But the fact is that Omicron represents just another step in Mueller's ratchet on the way to COVID-19 becoming endemic and not even as bad as the seasonal flu. So for now, that's my hot take, and we'll get back onto the schedule I'd planned next time. Until next time, the message is what matters. I'm Dr. Ted Noel.